Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Inside. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solidy. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Dolphins fall to the Minnesota Vikings in a very important game here in Week 15, 41-17. They get crushed on the road again, and it couldn't have gone much worse for the Dolphins today all around. There's no way to sugarcoat it. They get crushed. The Titans win, the Colts win, the Ravens win, the Steelers all win. And now the Dolphins' chances of making the playoffs have gone from you never know to just about 1% or 2%. So we'll see how their final two weeks play out. But, Paul, very, very strange game here. I mean, the Dolphins go down 21 to nothing in the first quarter. Their defense can't stop anybody. And then in the second and third quarter, they – it seems like the Vikings can't move the ball and the Dolphins are coming back. And then in the fourth quarter, it all comes unglued. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't even just say it was the defense that couldn't stop anybody. The offense can do anything either. I mean, the offensive line was terrible in the first quarter and then suddenly learned how to block again before getting Alzheimer's after the Kalen Balazs 75 yarder. And then, you know, Kenny Stills was held without a reception until late in the game. Danny Amendola forgot how to catch the ball. Just all around a lot of different failures today with a really bright spot stuffed in the middle of it all. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And offensively, I mean, good God. In the last three games, the Dolphins on third down are five for 28. I mean, that's a level of ineptitude. I don't even think I can wrap my head around. Ryan Tannehill today, 11 for 24, 108 yards. I mean, 108 yards and sacked nine times. I mean, you don't get much worse than that on on offense. I'm I'm watching – I've got the game playing in front of me here because I I just – I don't know why I like doing this to myself. I mean, and it seemed more in pass protection – like the assignments were just not being picked up. I don't see the Vikings players overpowering the Dolphins. I see these guys. Look, I'm watching the sack. You got people running into each other here. I mean, it's pathetic. But anyway, let's stick with the quarterback spot. Ryan Tannehill, 11 for 24, 108 yards. Even though he wasn't, I mean, I, I can't blame him. Typically, I blame him for not being able to step up as effectively, but I can't much for this game. He didn't really have a have a prayer in terms of pass protection, but he did miss some throws. He missed several at the end of the the first half, one in which Kenyon Drake is wide open for a touchdown. He doesn't see him and a, a few throughout the game too, but uh, you know, because of the stat line, because they were so bad on offense, I got to give Ryan Tannehill a C minus, but I can't completely blame him for everything that happened here. No, I could throw him in the C range. I mean, you look at Amendola had several critical drops today, at least three come to mind just thinking back in my head. 
Um, you look at the fact that, yeah, he might have missed some open receivers, but good God. I mean, the running backs weren't picking up blocking assignments. Uh, the offensive line was getting him killed. He didn't have time to throw the ball most of the time. He made some plays get extended a little bit with his feet, but Jesus, I mean, it, we're lucky he made it through this game. Uh, so I'll give him a C. Moving along to the running backs, interesting day there. Frank Gore goes down early with an injury. It's likely not going to be one that puts him out for the season, but forced the Dolphins to go with a lot of Kalen Balage and Kalen Balage busts a 75 yarder at the beginning of the third quarter. And it brought the game to 21 to 17. And we start thinking, wow, the Dolphins are on a tear here. And unfortunately they, they didn't keep it going there throughout the second half, but Kalen Balage we saw the talent. I mean, the Dolphins just keep crapping out running backs left and right. But the downside of that, Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balage gave up at least four sacks and pass protection that come to mind. Not good enough, and we that's where we missed Frank Gore the most here. But at least we got to see the talent of Kalen Balage. Uh, and it's absolutely disgusting to me. Kenyon Drake, four touches today after what we saw him do in the Miami miracle makes absolutely no sense to me. And not only that, but Kenyon Drake is blocking it. When he's on the field, he's blocking, which is the part of the game that, of, of his game that he can't do. It makes absolutely no sense to me. So yeah, even though Balage did bust off a long run, the pass protection really, really hurt the dolphins today. So I'm only going to give them a C plus. I'm right there in the C range with these guys, but I will say it was kind of intriguing to see a little bit of the future at the running back position. And and don't get me wrong, you know, I'm I'm not pushing Frank Gore out the door. And I do think Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake both need to work on their pass protection. It was intriguing to me that when Gore goes down, we didn't see Drake's role expand per se, but we saw Kalen Balaj step into those Gore carries and and really take the line share, which I like the idea of a platoon backfield of Kalen Balage and Kenyon Drake for the future, but I'd like to see it be a little bit more of a platoon backfield because Kenyon can make some explosive plays happen. It's almost like Gase likes his explosive players, but only likes to really use them when he has to. And it's very odd to me the way that they get deployed there. Absolutely. And of course, even though we love Frank Gore, no way is he busting out that 75-yard run. The receivers and tight ends, Paul, I did not see anybody get open all day. I mean, it was a tough day for Tannehill trying to even find somebody. I mean, Kenny still says he can't throw the ball to, to himself. Nobody can throw the ball to you when you're covered like that throughout the day. But the one I really point the finger at, and I was just irate throughout the day, is Danny Amendola. I mean, we're talking – yes, you're right, Paul. Three drops today for Amendola, three catches for 30 yards. Three drops today. And two of them were big. One of them, Tannehill steps up in the pocket in the third quarter and drills one right to the sticks. It's a tad behind Amendola, but he, sh he still needs to come down with it. Another one probably gives the Dolphins a touchdown before the first uh, half ends. He dropped one at the one-yard line. So if this guy cannot – catch anything, cannot catch the balls that, that are thrown to him with two hands on the ball. I don't want him on the team. I'd rather have the $6 million next year. So we'll, we'll see how that 
figures itself out. But overall, I didn't see anything I liked out of the receiving group. I'm going to give them a D. I saw a couple of little snippets that I I won't even say liked, but you know, I, I still continue to like what I see promise wise for Bryce Butler. He he had that critical error early on that, you know what, he didn't think he stepped out. When you watch the replay, he really did. It was it was close, um, but he still did step out of bounds and that was definitely a drive killer right there. That would have been a first down for for the Dolphins early on in the game. Gesicki actually caught a few balls today and made a couple little things happen at times, but overall, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's the Amendola thing was just inexcusable. The guy's really a glorified miniature possession receiver that's supposed to be that sure-handed guy that gets you the t- the first downs on third downs. That's what he's supposed to be. He's the guy that's supposed to t- turn up in the red zone. That's the guy he's supposed to be. And, and in both areas, he laid a big old goose egg today. I mean, at one point he had one reception on six targets and it wasn't like he was getting missed. So yeah, it's, we're, we're pretty close on our grades here. I'm, I'm going with a D for these guys and it's borderline D minus. Yeah. And it's sad that we're talking about the bright spots being Bryce Butler, who had a catch one catch for 12 yards and Mike Kosicki with two for 23. I mean, Ugh, just not good and starting starting to get a good idea of why the offense could not move the ball. Moving along to the offensive line, I'll throw it back to you. I was going to say, speaking of why they couldn't move the ball today, uh, I mean, Jesse Davis had a great block on, on uh, Caleb Elijah's 75-yard run. Uh, the line figured out how to block for about the extent of the second quarter, and then they really made up for the fact that they figured out how to block. Uh, they they were blowing assignments. I'm so sick of the amount of confusion on both sides of the ball. And and it's not like Miami's got a lot of stupid players. So to me, it, it just screams that there are scheme problems from a coaching standpoint all over the place on this team. And I, I think Gase really needs to kick back and reevaluate a, a good portion of his staff coming up here just sooner rather than later so he's ready to hit the ground running when the offseason hits hopefully Miami can still make the playoffs but at the same time they've got some things that they need to correct the offensive line is a huge one right now I know they've got backups playing in place of starters but you're still an NFL player at the end of the day I'm going with an F for the offensive line yeah I I'll give I'll give him a D for a lot of the reasons that you said the only Reason I'm not going to give him an F is I don't pin all nine sacks on him. I think a lot of the problems were at running back and pass protection there. You know, we we talk week in and week out about Laramie Tunzel and Juwan James, how how great they're doing, and and I still want them to be the cornerstones of this team on the offense. But this is not one of those days. I mean, Laramie Tunzel really struggled at that spot. Juwan James had two very costly mental breakdowns, one that almost got Tannehill killed. Uh, yeah, not good enough. Ted Larson was his usual pathetic self. Can't say much bad about Swanson or Jesse Davis. I thought they had two pretty decent games. But overall, this is really, in the last three games, two piss-poor performances from the offensive line. So I'm going to go with a D. Defensive side of the ball. I mean, again, like we said at the beginning of the show, Paul, I mean, the Dolphins – just can't stop anybody in the first quarter. They're down 21 to nothing 
13 minutes into the first quarter. Kirk Cousins has is nine for nine for 101 yards. And Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray combined, 13 minutes into the game, have over 100 yards. And so they could not stop anybody. And then the next two quarters, the Vikings could get nothing going on offense. So if, if they had just done that at the beginning of the game and made, had, had a better game plan for that, we could be talking about a Dolphins victory, but it's not to be in that situation. Starting at the defensive line, Robert Quinn, another sack on the day. I mean, I, I think that he is a one-dimensional pass rusher, but he, he seems to be good for a sack a game here, at least in the last several weeks. He gave Riley Reef some fits out there. Cameron Wake, not too much from, from him in the pass rushing perspective. And on defense, Davin Gottschall gets his first career NFL sack. So it's it's kind of a tale of the first quarter. Of, if you, I mean, if you're talking about the second and third quarter, this unit gets an A. If you're talking about the first and the fourth quarter, this unit gets an F. So I'm going to go with right there, just about in the middle, I'm going to give him a C+. Plus. I'm going to give him a C- minus uh, because the consistency factor is there. And, and Quinn really – there's one play that comes to mind with Quinn – he, he really would have had two sacks and a forced fumble if the play call on one particular play hadn't been a screen pass that forced Kirk Cousins to turn his body 90 degrees. That was the only thing that kept Robert Quinn from stripping that ball. If, if, if it had even been 45 degrees, that ball would have been on the turf and it was a good chance it would have ended up in his hands. So, you know, I think Quinn did an admirable job today. Wake was very quiet. And Godshaw did have have that sack, but you know what? He also had a really dumbass penalty close to the end of the game for vaulting. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, there's so much to dislike with this defensive line, and, and right now with the way they're playing, I mean, Charles Harris extended a drive, lining up in the neutral zone, and then jumping while he was lined up in the neutral zone. On top of that fact, I mean. What does it take to get him on the Coke bus and, and, and get Woodard in there uh, just to see what he's got? It can't be anything worse. I mean, it really can't based on what we've seen from him in the past. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, Charles Harris, I, I don't even know why he's active anymore. Jonathan Woodard, sadly, I would take any day of the week over him. He's not He's not pressuring the quarterback. He's not stopping the run. He's making stupid penalties. It's just really bad with him right now. So moving on to the linebacker spot, you know, again, I mean, we can repeat the same thing for the defensive line. I mean, first and fourth quarter, the linebackers couldn't stop anybody. Broken tackles, you name it. Second and third quarter, they they were fantastic. So they're they're right there in the middle. I mean, Raekwon McMillan, I thought, had a couple of nice stops. He's starting to flash a little bit more. I'm right there in the middle still. I mean, I'm I'm going to give him a C plus. Yeah, Kiko continues to be feast or famine, as as we've seen all year, um, and he was throughout this game. Rake McMillan had a couple of good flashy plays, like you pointed out, but he also had a couple of bad angles that really let um, the running backs run free for these guys. Jerome Baker, I thought, had a good game again. I mean, it, it wasn't anything flashy. It wasn't anything spectacular, but I didn't have anything particularly that I had an issue with. Uh, there were some communication issues amongst the linebackers, but that's a theme we, we see really extend not only to the linebackers, but also the defensive backs here. So, again, Matt Burke, 
what you doing, dude? What are you doing? Um, mm-hmm. So I can go C-minus for the linebackers as well. I'll throw it back to you on the defensive backs. <sighs> Jesus. Um, this, this is probably the toughest unit to grade today. Uh, the safety play, for the most part, other than one big hit from Rashad Jones, was terrible. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick and Bobby McCain started off having a really rough day. And right up until Minka jumped a, a screen route, which Minka has really shown uh, his, his safety chops as far as it goes, sniffing out screen plays in beautiful fashion. And today he finally jumped one and took it to the house, kind of kick-starting that good run that Miami had there for a little while. So I can't fully destroy these guys. Bobby McCain made up for those bad plays early with a couple of good plays, even though it obviously doesn't make up for the big fact that a lot of that that 21-point lead came off of him. But Torrey McTire got absolutely smoked later on, although it did look like he was supposed to have help from TJ, who got himself frozen out there and couldn't recover in time. And, and, and unfortunately, Torrey lost the track meet. Again, I think I'm sticking with my C-minuses across the defense here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a C. I'm I'm actually a little bit more optimistic and have have a little bit better grades. So usually it's the other way around. I'm gonna go with a C plus. I mean, Kirk Cousins, 14 for 21, 215 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. But 101 of those were in the first 13 minutes of the game, and then the Dolphins' defense started doing a lot better. Bobby McCain and Minka Fitzpatrick, I thought, did a fantastic job for most of the day. Good for Minka getting that pick six, I would still like to see him be more inside. I, I, I want to see him facing the quarterback and using his instincts that way, but he did certainly pass the test as the boundary corner today. So wherever you line him up, he's going to be a very good player. Torrey McTire got smoked, like you mentioned, for that long touchdown by Aldrick Robinson. Anytime a pass is let up deep, typically you see T.J. McDonald trailing from behind, and that's exactly what you saw here today Rashad Jones I mean I think had another meh game I mean I I I don't see what this guy has done over the last since week one to earn anything I don't see what he's done except quit in the middle of the season no forced fumbles no interceptions no big plays anywhere from Rashad Jones Uh, one thing I want to see in the offseason I'm going to pound the table for it I'd like to see the Dolphins get a boundary corner opposite Xavier Howard because if you can do that then you can take Minka, move him to free safety. You can cut T.J. McDonald. You can keep McCain full-time in the slot, and you strengthen three positions with one move. I hope the Dolphins are able to do that. Overall, C+. Special teams. You know, one of the bigger plays of the game here, Paul, it seemed like when the Dolphins were still in control, Matt Hawk punts, uh, you know, gosh, punts the ball out of the building, outkicks his coverage, and then the Vikings punt returner, Aldrick Robinson, takes it and returns it all the way back to the Dolphins' 19. That's when we first started seeing the momentum shift. But overall, Matt Hawk had a very good day besides that. Jason Sanders made his usual extra points, and I believe he had one field goal, too. I can't remember off the – yes, he did. He had one field goal. And no no real returns there. But So overall, going to go ahead and just give this unit a B. We finally hit the same same wavelength on the optimism aspect. Uh, I, I've got a B for these guys as well. I'm not going to fault Matt Hawk for that 
for outkicking his coverage there. I mean, he punted like the Mad Hawk we all know and love today. He punted like the Pro Bowl punter we all know and love today. It looks like they did fix that chink in the armor as far as uh, what New England exposed last week. But, yeah, that kick return or that punt return was absolutely back-breaking. And then, you know, late in the game, Miami's still trying to claw their way back in, and and Davin Gottschow gets a a dumbass penalty on an extra point, which, you know, again, sets things up piss poor. So I can go with a B here, but, yeah, there's still some stuff to correct, but I do count on Rizzi as being the one coach on this team that seems to make the proper adjustments and correct things. So. So taking a look at this game, who's your star of the game and who uh, goes on the uh, the Coke bus for you? Coke bus will go with first. I'm going to throw Danny Amendola on that Coke bus. It's, you know, this is a guy who comes in. He's supposed to be the guy, your steady, sure-handed wide receiver on third downs, your guy that's there in the red zone like we talked about earlier. And really – God, it's, you know, he did the exact opposite today in in both scenarios. And, you know, in a game where Miami really needed to keep some momentum and gain some momentum, he was a momentum killer for this team today, unfortunately. I do like the guy. Hopefully whatever was going through his head today gets out of his head for next week. But uh, Danny Amendola is going to be my Coke bus player of the game this week. As far as my star of the game, it's really a toss-up between two rookies for this one. I mean, it's a toss-up for me between Minka and Kalen Balaj. I'll throw it to Minka because he really was the one that turned the tide when it looked its absolute bleakest today when the Vikings jumped out to that 21 nothing lead and Minka brought it back to 21-7, to jumping that route, and there being no question he was taking it to the house. So Minka Fitzpatrick. Welcome to that player of the game honor here for us, for my star of the game. Yeah, I would have gone with Minka, too, and I could yeah, – yeah, I'm going to give it to Kalen Balaj. I mean, he did let up a big sack of Ryan Tannehill that really officially changed the momentum of the game. The Dolphins were only down by four. Balaj lets up that sack, and the Dolphins now are, are second and 18 or whatever it was. But he did bust off a 75-yard run. He went up against the Vikings' defense here, one of the best in the league against the run, and had almost 140 yards. So something has got to be said about that. My Coke bus player of the game could go to a lot of players. I'm going to give it to Devontae Parker. No catches here. Where Where is this guy? And he had that nice pass up, defense. What's that? He had that nice pass defense in the end zone. Oh, yeah, yeah. The hell with that guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I was really hoping that he could he could be that big target for Ryan Tannehill, and now they've had time to get in sync. It's just not working out. And I, I don't see how the Dolphins keep him on the roster next year at $9.5 million. I mean, you think about it, they they could cut Amendola and Devontae Parker and save almost $16 million next year. I think the Dolphins need to do that, at least as we stand right here today. That will do it for our breakdown of the Miami Dolphins Loss to the Minnesota Vikings, 41-17. to Very bad loss here for the Dolphins. No easy way to put it. Really puts a damper in their playoff hopes. I would be very, very surprised if the Dolphins could even make the playoffs if they won the last two games here. But 
they could still have a winning season, and maybe we get a bunch of lucky breaks, kind of like the one with the Miami Dolphins and the Miami Miracle last week. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the thin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.